Welcome to the Mind Speaking Podcast, where we talk about the human side of data. In other words, data, communication, and personal development. My name is Gilbert Eikleboom. I'm driven by curiosity, and my aim is to spread insights that you can apply in your life starting today. So, let's do it. Let's start Mind Speaking. Today on the Mind Speaking Podcast, I talk with Andreas Welsh. He is a VP at SAP, and he has more than 20 years of experience in the software industry. His expertise is in artificial intelligence and process automation, and he's turning hype into outcome. He's sharing his insights with his intelligence briefing via LinkedIn and in his newsletter. And what we talk about today is how to make AI projects a success, what type of mistakes to avoid, and how to foster an AI mindset. Also, we talk about the role of empathy, communication, and a lot of tips how you can do this in your own organization. So, I hope you enjoy this episode with Andreas Welsh. Hey, Andreas. Nice to see you again. Hey, Gilbert. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation today, and we're going to dive into a lot of different topics. Uh, for the people that are watching, they can see your background and I've I've not had many guests that are that have such a fantastic background, so I'm happy to see that in the first place. Thank you so much. I'm really passionate about you know getting the topic of AI across, and so wanted to make it as as comfortable and as cozy as as possible. Yeah, and show a bit of personality. Yeah, fantastic. I think it's going to be a cozy conversation about AI. I see an AI light blinking in the background, or. Clear in the background, and I'm looking forward. And of course, we're going to talk about AI, but I'm also curious about uh, you as a person. So I would like to hear a bit more about you. Where did you grow up? How was, how was it for you to grow up? And yeah, tell us a bit more about yourself. Sure, absolutely. Um, so you can probably tell by my accent, although I live in the US, that's not where I am originally from. So I was born in, and raised in, in Germany. Um, on the western side of Germany, very close to the border with France, actually only about two or three kilometers away. And I've, I've always lived in a kind of border region. Also lived in, in the south of Germany um, at Lake Constance, which is right on the border with Austria and Switzerland. So lots of beautiful scenery in the Alps and, you know, always different um, different types of cultures. Now I live on, on the east coast in the US near Philadelphia. I would still consider that a bit of a border region with uh, Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey being close by. Certainly not as, as um, you know, the same kind of um, different countries around, but certainly you also get a different different perspective and a different flavor. And so, you know, growing up, um, I had a couple of different things I wanted to become. At one point, I wanted to become a pediatrician. Um, and a bunch of other things. But it, it wasn't until I did my first internship in a company, in a software company, actually, that I got exposed to software, IT, and, and, and all of that world. So that was really like in, in, in my late teens, um, where I saw what, what you can do with IT, with software, and what impact you can have. And that's really set me up on, on, on that trajectory and was just the, the starting point for me to learn more about all of that. You also mentioned that to become a people manager, you need more than technical skills. Can you share more about that? How about your thoughts? You know, I, I spent a good 14, 15 years in, in IT in, in my career. That's that's where I, would say I grew up um, 
personally and professionally. So I've had the fortune um, to, to work with many great uh, people and on, on teams and, and work with many great leaders and work for many great leaders. But when I saw you know, that, that I, I wanted to take on more responsibility, I was kind of hitting a glass ceiling at, at the time. Nobody else above me was moving up or was moving out. So there were limited opportunities. And so I said to myself, hey, by the time I'm 30, I do want to either be a people manager in IT, because that's really my, where my subject matter expertise was at that time, or I'll look for other opportunities within the same company. And so that was that was what I ended up doing, because there were no opportunities in a short amount of time um, or short period of time that I could pursue. So I, you know, I already knew about data centers and servers and networking and um, some some bits of automation and, and scripting. So it was a good way to take that as um, as, as the foundation and, and build on it. And I had a fantastic opportunity at, at SAP, um, where, where I currently still work, to build on that, to, to do, on, um, do what we call a fellowship, which is basically like an internship for a couple of months where you can join a different department, learn about what they do, but bring your knowledge to, to, to the table as well. And then at that time exposed me to the cloud. Uh, it was like the, the early 2010s, mid 2010s, what customers were thinking about how you build this cloud thing. And again, from there, that led me uh, to, to working with our CTO. Um, and at the time, 2015, 16, when digital transformation was just starting, what is it? How do you talk about it? Why does it matter? Again, how does cloud fit into that picture? And so, then the next steps after that have been similar. So for me, the approach has always been take something that you already have expertise in and that you're pretty good at and see what other new topic you can add to it and where you can learn and where you can grow. So go outside of your comfort zone, but I would say don't leave it completely. Don't leave it behind. Um, so you know, build on your strength, but keep learning and, and keep looking for something new. Interesting. So what you're saying is that, yeah, you need to build on what you already know, right? Your current experience, or maybe one foot within the comfort zone, but also one, certainly one big step outside of it. And how do you think, because many people would agree, I think, with that sentiment, how do you think companies can adopt such a culture of going outside of your comfort zone and, and building these new type of skills? I think what's really key is, is creating that, that learning culture, giving those opportunities. And certainly not every company you know, will, will have such a program where you're encouraged as an employee to move around for, for a couple of months um, you know, in, in your career. But it can be as simple as, um, as a virtual community, or if, if you're back in the office, meet, have coffee with other like-minded folks or um, just exchange what is it that you do and maybe what does sales look like or what does pre-sales look like and what does a day in, in in your life look like and i can share what a day in my life looks like so just get an overall better understanding and, and see if there are opportunities to collaborate or if if not at, at a minimum learn about somebody else's um area and, and, and expertise and see if that interests you or if it's something that you want to mentor into more mm-hmm. and and in becoming a, a people manager you mentioned what, what do you think are some important traits or skills you, you need to learn as a people manager working in a technology area? 
So in, in one of my last roles, um, I, I, I led what I think can be best described as an AI center of excellence. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not a data scientist. I'm probably not even a data person um, or don't have a background in, in, in data. But um, I've done a lot of work on, on automation and, and, and this kind of thinking is, is something that, that really excites me. So I think having a good understanding of the the, the subject uh, is, is obviously key. So you know what you're talking about and, and what to look out for. And as you build your team, what types of skills to look for. But I think as a, as a people manager, and I guess um, even more so, you know, in, in pandemic, post-pandemic world, whatever we, we want to call it, next normal, new normal, a lot of us are, are still working remotely where we, where we have that opportunity, working in, uh, in technology. So empathy, I think is a is a key one because you know um, we we're juggling not only our work life but certainly our personal life as well at the same time. Um, so not everybody might be available at the same time. People have different work schedules now, especially right, and have different things on on their mind. Whether it's not having been able to see relatives or loved ones or friends for a long time, or not being able to go out or um, you know, even even health topics that that have become more or come more to, to the for, forefront. So overall, that that empathy, that that understanding, I think is key, but also setting a clear vision of what you want to achieve. And it's it's I would say it's it's fairly easy if you're an individual contributor to just join along for the ride and float along. And somebody else is coming up with the ideas, and we just we just do what we're told. Um, which is one mindset, right? But as a, as, as a leader, certainly you do want to, to set that vision. So what is it um, where we that we want to go to, that, that we want to move towards? What are some of the big trends that we're seeing? What's the impact we, we are making and that we can make? And how do we set up um, our teams? What are the, the strengths um, that, that we have? Where do we have some, some gaps and how can we fill them? Whether it's developing um, our people in, in, in that area or bringing on additional um, ones that can complement that skill set. So I think between empathy, vision, and certainly also execution, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a good triangle. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a great triangle, and and to create that vision and to communicate that vision, you should use different words than buzzwords, right? Because the link that I want to make is you you mention a lot of times that you're looking beyond the buzzwords. What does it mean to you? So, look. Buzzwords are are there to to create excitement. I, I feel it's, it's it's like this hype, right? Everything is AI these days. But when you pull back the curtain, is it really, or is it machine learning? Is it predictive? Is it statistics? Is it rules? So, I think being being more realistic um, and, and and more open and honest about it, and, and creating that transparency of what it actually is 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 really important, and doing that in in simple language. So that um, you understand it, you can communicate it, but more importantly, also um, the the person that you're talking about, uh, sorry, that you're talking to, can understand it. And a lot of times in data roles, you know, you're the technical expert, but you're talking to somebody who's probably not uh, that familiar with terminology, with these buzzwords. So, what does AI mean to somebody in in finance? What can it do? Why should they care about it? Well, hey, in, instead of you having to process incoming payments every day, look through a list of hundreds of items, 
say, well, I think this one matches that invoice and this one matches it too. And that's a big part of your job today. If we can bring in technology to help you with that, and all you need to look at are maybe the five or 10 instead of the 50 or 100 things um, that, that come in. If you only look at the exceptions, I think that changes um, that, that, that trajectory for somebody in a specialized role. But giving an example like that makes it also a lot more tangible um, than you know the misconceptions that, that exist around Terminator, Minority Report, The Matrix, and, and everything that, uh, that that we've been seeing from Hollywood. Like it's, it's not that. It's, it's a lot more concrete, um, and it can be a lot more impactful. Yeah, and I like the example that you give because it shows how if we make it very concrete, we can bridge that gap between IT or data and and business folks who don't who may not have the technical expertise that people in technical roles do. But yeah, I think that's how you can communicate and bridge the gap and get closer to the to the other side. Absolutely, yeah. But I'm also wondering about because you're you're talking a lot on LinkedIn about the cultural changes that we need to make and AI projects, you know, how to make sure they're succeeding and that we need to treat them differently compared to IT projects. What are some of those cultural changes you think we need to make in companies? I think the most important one is creating an awareness that AI is so much more than just technology. Technology and data have a very, very strong uh, core and, and component and, and are centered to it, but there's so much more around it, whether it is skills and, and skill sets. Do we have, again, the right people, the right skills? If not, what can we teach them? What can they learn? Where do they find information? Um, it's governance and, and, and data. What type of data do I have? Where, I get it, where do I get it from? What, what am I allowed to do with it? Is there personal identifiable information in it? Um, how do I annotate data? Um, how do I create better training data? What do I do if I don't have enough data? Lots of things around that, that, that topic. Um, if, you, if you build this for your own company internally, right there, you obviously work with stakeholders in, in different departments and domains that might not even be as familiar with AI and, and data and all other things that, that matter here. So you also become a bit of a multiplier and you need to create that, that awareness or that mindset that AI literacy in the company um, that will help you build projects in a better way and hopefully a more successful way. And the thing that I've seen work very successfully is if that happens in close collaboration, if that happens in tandem. Because a lot of times, if you are working on, on data and data science, you're, you're a technical expert again. And that, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly good, right? We, we need that deep technical expertise, but not everybody can be an expert in everything. So we, we still find that a, a mix of deep data science expertise and for example, deep finance expertise or deep uh, manufacturing expertise remains to be rather rare. So why not pair the two skill sets up somebody that's an expert in manufacturing that knows how the business process works in your company and somebody that's really good on, on data and, and has deep expertise and put them together. So it's almost like a greenhouse effect where they both can grow together. Yeah, that sounds like a great approach. And how how do you think that could work in, in practice? <clears throat> I mean, I see that it's very effective to combine those two people that have different experiences and different skill sets. 
what I also foresee or what I have seen is that when two people work together with a different expertise or maybe even different personality, it's more difficult to create a very strong collaboration. What have what what is your experience and how do you think we can do this well? What I've seen be very important is sponsorship. Sponsorship from the top. Then, hey, this is a priority. We need to do this. We want to do this. And we need different people to come together on, on that team. And it won't be perfect. It won't be perfect the first time and probably not the second or the third time. But it's a learning opportunity. So there's something to gain for both. And obviously for the company as, as well that asks you to run this as an employee. So with that mindset, it's a, it's a growth opportunity. And you share a little bit and I share a little bit. And at the end of the day, we're both smarter about what you know what your domain does and how ai and data can apply to it and the other way around i think that's a fantastic opportunity but a lot of times really it needs that sponsorship from the top that this is strategic this is something that we want to be successful in as a company great what something i'm also wondering about is if you talk about ai programs what are some of the frequent mistakes people or organizations make when setting up these AI programs and, and what makes them more successful? Because you touch upon the mindset, the collaboration between different types of people that have different experiences and, no, and knowledge levels. Um, what are some of the mistakes that you see organizations make? So there, there, there are a couple of things. Maybe I'll, I'll start with the ones, uh, with the examples where I've seen this work particularly well. And in those examples, um, the, the customers that I have worked with in previous roles really defined what the objective was from the very beginning. Why are we looking at AI? What do we want to achieve? Um, in, in many of these cases, it was around shared service centers and the finance example that I gave, for example. So naturally, there is concern. There's maybe a bit of distrust. Well, if you put in this automation or this AI thing, does it mean I'll be out of a job in a couple of months because that thing you tell me can do the job much better and much faster and much cheaper than I can? So setting the expectation that, hey, that is actually not what we want to accomplish. Yes, we do want more um, automation. We do want to reduce our costs, but we also need you and we need your unique expertise, not only to look at the exceptions, but what would you do if, say, 60% or 80% um, of your time was now freed up? because we have this AI thing that takes care of the boring um, mundane stuff. And you can follow up with the customers and say, hey, so you were supposed to, to make that payment a week ago. We, we still haven't gotten it. You know, what's going on in your, in your business? Are you all right? Should we uh, change, the ter uh, change the terms? When can we expect that payment? So these kind of things you know, where you have a much more personal connection um, and, and a human connection and let the AI really worry about the other things. So getting that point across that it's not to replace people, but rather to augment them and to help them um, and genuinely, genuinely do that. That's, that's key. Um, the other part is, and to, to your question, what should people not do? I would say do not treat AI as any IT project, as any other IT project because it is so much more complex. Like I said, the, the people dimension, data, data privacy dimensions, how do we get access to data? Um, certainly a business dimension as well, because we're not just doing that in, in a vacuum or for, um, for, for our own passion of seeing how, how we can 
get the last uh, percentage points um, when we when we tweak that model. Certainly, all good and relevant aspects. But at the end of the day, we do want to drive business outcomes with it. Again, increase automation, um, reduce repetitive tasks, maybe get better insights, get better recommendations um, to your customers. Whether it's you know like the the classic examples like Netflix and, and better recommendations for for movies, or in in an e-commerce scenario, better recommendations for for products or combinations of products or upsell. You know, customers who've bought this have also bought that. But really, it's about the value that you want to, to create for, for that business. Um, and when all of that comes together, and maybe even when you want to market um, that, that data product externally, and you want to bring in your marketing and sales teams on how you do that, that's really a 360-degree view. So I would say take that approach and, and make yourself aware that it takes a lot more than just data which is still at, at the core right <clears throat> what, what i noticed is that uh, you talk about empathy quite a lot so in the beginning about when you become a people manager of course you need to have empathy towards your your colleagues or your the, the people you work with because they have a different situation and also empathy towards business stakeholders who are not as technical and also the people that might be might be afraid for getting replaced by the by ai so I think it's it's just an important concept and understanding the perspective of other people. And I also like that you point out that automation and AI is not uh, only a rise in, you know, using technology, but actually it can aid the personal connection because you have more time to have that personal connection. And I think it's a very important point. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, if we talk about automation, because you spent a lot of time in automation, you're definitely a fan of it, uh, but you also mentioned that just because you can automate something, uh, it doesn't mean you blindly should. Can you expand on that and elaborate on that? So I see a lot of times um, when we when we look at technologies, when we talk about technologies, we're so focused, so narrowly focused on what do we have and where can we use it. But again, it it needs. A different approach or if you take a different approach chances are you're much more successful because you have a much broader field of, of, of view and range of view of what you can do and what you want to do so what i see a lot of folks do is hey we 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 do want to automate okay what are the low-hanging fruit what should we do what's first what's second um in getting too quickly into that that execution mode in wanting and needing to deliver value and, and, and return on investment. But I think if you take a step back and you say, yeah, well, we, we could actually do this, but does it add value? Does it make somebody's life easier? Do we expect to see a certain return of an, an, an investment? When do we see that? What maybe business KPIs and metrics can we positively influence? And can we measure that? I think that overall, um, to me, is, is, is a lot more important and, and, and is a lot better um, or gives you a lot better chance of success and saying, hey, we can automate this, we can automate that, we can automate that. And then you end up with a lot of waste because you really didn't have to automate it or there was not even a need for this process, step, task to be there in, in the first place. So I think take a little more holistic view um, at what you want to accomplish and then select the right tools 
um, for the job. And sometimes, you know, it, it might not even be AI or it might not even be an, an automation or robotic process automation. Sometimes it's as simple as a rule or again, saying, do we actually still need that thing? We've, we've been doing that for 20 years. Does anybody still know why we're doing that? Right? And a lot of times the answer will be, oh yeah, you know, John or Bob uh, implemented that when we went live with this or that system. Uh, I actually don't know if we still need it or why we have it. So that's also a good opportunity then to, to, you know, to clean house and review things again. Yeah, I like that. I once read about uh, doing a reverse pilot. So in, instead of introducing something to see if it works, uh, to delete something and take something out and see if people start complaining. Uh, and I think for many automations, this could also work. And I see myself in, in my personal life also trying to automate stuff or my calendar or uh, productivity things that I spend a lot of time on, but that actually take more time setting up the automation and all the maintaining it than the benefit I have in terms of productivity. So I even see it in my, my own life. And I think it's important to not always take a step back and understand, okay, what are we trying to achieve? And um, also regularly check if it's still still uh, valuable. Correct. That's where I think our excitement sometimes clouds our judgment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. What, what I'm curious about is because we spoke about AI projects and um, what makes them successful or what are some mistakes, uh, what is the... Yeah, the role of communication skills uh, in, in in bringing these programs to a success, and I think I think we see several levels, right, from sponsorship uh, down uh, to to within teams. Um, what do you think are some of the yeah the challenges that we see, or what is important when it comes to communication? So, I think the the part that is important is that is adequate to the stakeholders that you are trying to address and that you want to share information with. Certainly at, at the top management, senior management level, it's about overall high-level concepts, business impact that, that you want to drive. What we said about mid-level or maybe first-level leadership, it's about how, how can we collaborate? How can we bring people together? Maybe how can we free up some of their time so that they can collaborate? And what's in it for me? What's in it for you? What's in it for us? And then at the individual level, it's why is this important? Again, why does that not replace your job, but help you actually be more efficient, effective, engaged in the end? Um, I, I think at a minimum, that's, um, that's, that's key. But there's one, one story I, I want to share, one example. So last year, um, we went through a number of, of pilots internally, things that we wanted to built in, into our own software products that we sell to customers as SAP. And so it was an interesting time because it was just, just before and between the summer holidays. People were coming in, others were just about to leave. And quite frankly, we didn't have a lot of time to prep, but we wanted to meet with our head of architecture and uh, head of portfolio, who at the end of the day assigns money to, to the projects. So we had a meeting where we brought in our data scientists, that explained um, some of the, the intricacies of the projects that they were working on and the progress we were making. Now, the challenge was that we didn't have a lot of time to prepare. So we said, okay, um, between your vacation coming in, you going out, let's figure out what we do want to share. The challenge we had that in the end, we ran out of time and we got stuck somewhere in how we optimize the model and what some of the features and parameters were. And we didn't really get to that point. Um, so one of one of our executives had to move on to another call, 
and it wasn't really a, a very successful meeting. So in terms of communication, right? And, and, and these things happen. The question is, what is the key information and how quickly can you get that across? And what is the key information for that stakeholder that they need to know to say, yep, that's great. I continue funding this or what roadblocks do you, do you see? Where can we help? What, what else do you need? Um, and, you know, sometimes things are rushed um, and that's okay. But I would also say take time and again, think about who's your stakeholder, what's the story you want to tell, and what's the outcome you want to achieve, and rehearse, rehearse, and rehearse. Yeah, the rehearsing <clears throat> part is also important, right? And getting getting uh, learnings from every interaction, because every time you learn something and you try something, you see if it works if it or if it doesn't, if you successfully persuade someone or get someone in the right direction. And uh, I think we learn about those interactions every day. Um, what I don't have kids at, right now, but I will in the future, hopefully. But I, what I hear from many people that do have kids is that they learn a lot from kids. And I know you have two kids. Um, and actually, they, they kind of help you to create content on LinkedIn because they wake you up very early, right? Can you exactly. tell about that? <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good way to, to put it. So yeah, we, we have a three-year-old and an eight-month-old. And so the eight-month-old is currently teething, not a lot of fun. Um, and so when when she wakes up, it's usually around two o'clock or three o'clock. And so I try to, to comfort her and try to see that she falls back asleep. But if I don't spend enough time waiting between her falling asleep and putting her back in, into her crib, she wakes up again. And I go through the same rhythm, same motion again. So what I've been doing for the past couple of weeks or maybe a month or two is that I actually sit down and um, uh, watch her so she falls asleep on my chest. And after an hour, maybe sometimes two, when I know that she's really in deep sleep, then I get up again and I put her in, in a crib. And what I found is actually that's the most productive time for me to write content, to think about things that, that I do want to share um, with, with my audience and with the world and LinkedIn because the entire house is quiet, nobody else is up, work is still a couple hours away. And that's where I really find that, that calm and that inspiration and, and that peace, if you will, um, to, to you know, write, write that content, think about things um, that I've seen from my experience that I do want to share with others as well, as well, whether it's as a learning, things you should be repeating, or you know, the other kind of learning, like I shared with that meeting earlier things that you shouldn't be repeating and should be learning from. Yeah. And I think it's great that you help everyone turning hype into outcome, right? Because that's, that's the tagline I, I always see with you. Exactly. Um, looking beyond the, the buzzwords. And I think, I think it's very valuable because in the end, we all want to make business impact, right? Not just to talk about AI. Correct. And, and I think the, the more tangible you can make it, um, with with examples or with with hard facts, the the better um, of, of a story it is, and, and the easier to convey that value, and, and, and the easier to bring others along it will be. Mm -hmm. Cool. I'm. I also have a more personal question, or it can be business related as well. But what do you make you inspired or like your best self? So really, to me that that comes back to the. To the red thread of empathy, I think that you've that you've uh, noticed as as well. I'm inspired by by working with people that that have a lot of passion 
that want to see things moving forward, that want to make things happen, um, but also at, at the same time understand where everybody comes from. Be because I believe when we do find that mix, we all work best together and we can inspire each, each other and bounce off ideas of, of one another. So really that, that collaborative spirit, again, with that focus or point on, on empathy, um, seeing what others are, are doing, learning from one another. LinkedIn, I think, is a great example there as well uh, with, with creators and experts like yourself. Um, that's very inspiring. That's very enriching um, to, to me. Fantastic. Yeah, it blends, blends in very well with the things I'm doing at Pine Speaking as well, which, also, which is all about empathy and understanding the business perspective. So I think there are a lot of parallels between our work and I see them more and more um, in this conversation. I would like to uh, switch gears and, and go to a rapid fire round where I ask you some quick questions and some shorter answers. So let's uh, let's see. The first question is: What is one thing that surprises people about you? That I play the accordion. Wow! I've I've learned to play the accordion as a kid. It's something that's uh, stuck with me. But it's not all just polka and oompa loompa. <laughs> but you still play. I I still play when I do have time. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe three a.m. is not the best time to play. I'm not sure about your neighbors. Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the second question what's your favorite place to travel that used to be new york city before the pandemic so we haven't been back unfortunately but my wife and i used to go there at least once or twice a quarter um sometimes uh, every weekend um because i love how how the city changes even from week to week there are things that we were discovering one week that we hadn't seen the week or two weeks before um so I would say I, I'm a city person. We're a city person, um, and lots of walking um, to to explore it and immerse yourself in in that city and become part for uh, part of it for a little while. Cool. What is your number one place, thing, or person you go to for learning? That is a good question. Um, I would say that that depends on on the topic. Um, so something a, a skill that I've picked up. Um, last year was much of what you see here, lighting, video, audio, um, composition, editing. And that's something I've actually learned by um, following creators on, on YouTube. So most of the first quarter last year, when I wasn't creating that, that much content myself yet, I spent watching videos of others explaining how things are done and how they have done it and um, what you should be aware of. So I think YouTube and different creators with a good following and, and good substance in, in their content can be a fantastic source um, for, for that kind of information and, and learning and keep it keep it relatively short and non-committal, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I recognize that as well. There's so much good information on YouTube for free and um, mm -hmm. more and more people start to treat it like Google, right? Many people don't go to yes. Google anymore, but they go to YouTube to ask their questions. So um, yeah, let's see what it means for your YouTube career as well. Next question is what is what are some of the best decisions you've you've ever made? Best decisions, I would say, where the the per, um, professionally, I, I would say, where where the ones um, getting out of IT and uh, getting closer to the customer, learning more about the business, um, learning more about new technologies and and how they apply in that context, um, and. Um, Personally, I would say definitely 
the 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 move from Germany to the US because we we feel it's it's again enriched our lives by so much being here not just when the sun shines but also when it rains and when you make friends and when you go to work and all, all these kinds of things so just getting a different perspective on on things and on life and on culture and on your own culture um has has been a fantastic learning opportunity for me and and for our family as well mm -hmm. this question is not on the list but i'm curious do you think people should be uh should go abroad mandatory for mandatorily for one or two years no I think that's that shouldn't be mandatory. So if if you do want to do it, and if you have the opportunity, I would encourage people to to do it. Um, but I think even within your your own country or your own culture, there are so many opportunities um, to, to to learn um, and, and to open your eyes um, for what else is out there. Whether it's in inviting people in from other cultures um, and in learning from them, um, or even within your your own country, right? We a lot of places we have a north-south divide or east-west, these these kind of things. Be, be a little more open um, um, and and travel right um, as a as as a first step to to broaden your mind. But mandatory, I, I don't think that's that's necessary. I think that's a personal thing. Mm -hmm. Good. And the last question of this rapid fire round is: What job would you be terrible at? Gardening. Gardening. Um, so we. We used to have a, uh, a pretty nice small palm tree um, that, that that we've had for six years or something, and it survived many, many vacations. It was at home. We were gone. So we got very creative how we could supply it with water while we're out. Um, cotton threads put into water cups to the brim. It survived, you know, us being gone for four weeks or something. But then... Um, when when our daughter was born a couple of weeks uh, a couple of months ago the rhythm changed of me actually watering it and being able to water it and so right now there's not too much left of it so while it survived a couple of vacations it, you know that sounds terrible but it didn't survive the last addition to the family but there are other priorities now as well yeah i wanted to say there are other priorities <laughs> So yeah, as as the last few questions, I would like to to understand what are you working on at the moment, or what would we, what would you like to share about your uh, YouTube activities or LinkedIn or work or. So I've I've really started creating more content on on, on LinkedIn about setting up your AI programs in um, in November December and been been doing that consistently every day now, since then, and again I. I I feel if if you want to set up that that program right, you don't have to have a PhD or you don't have to have a long track record uh, track record in, in these things. A lot of things, um, and a lot of times, it's already good enough if you have good domain expertise and you want to learn more and you want to branch out and find out what can this AI automation thing really do in that industry or in that domain that I'm very familiar with. So I don't think you need to be a kind of a superhero. You don't need that cape. Um, to, to become that hero of, of, of your journey. And one thing I, I will branch out uh, a little more from you know just text-based or, or image-based posts is that I will uh, start more live streaming in, in the coming weeks um, to bring thought leaders on, on board, but also more importantly, practitioners, because I think that's the real value, right? If, if you can hear from others that have gone before you or that are on the journey, maybe a little bit ahead of you what is it that they are learning what is it that they have learned good and bad? i think there's a lot of value in, in that and i want to bring that out and again share it with the community 
um, so that I think overall we can bring more of, of, of these technologies, more of these benefits um, into our workplace, into people's lives and really make that impact. Great. Yeah, and thank you for being so generous with all the content you're sharing and I think bringing other people on their journey. And I think it's great to see. Thanks. So the last question before I ask where people can find you is uh, what is one big takeaway you want listeners to take away from this episode? I would say don't don't be scared. Right? Um, roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty in something. The best thing you can do right now is getting started because there's so much opportunity that you can capture on. Like I said, if you have a good domain knowledge in one area, see how you can tag um, IT on, um, sorry, AI onto that because then you can learn, you can apply it in, in that field. You can have different kinds of conversations with different people and elevate your skill set and that skill set of those around you. So that's the, the, the huge opportunity I, I see. There's so many trainings available these days, um, whether it's vendors or on Coursera and, and all these, these platforms or even YouTube, like you said. It's really about starting somewhere and see how you can evolve that. Right. Yeah. There's so many ways how you can keep on researching for weeks, months, or years. But yes. of course, yeah, you need to uh, you need to start. Where can people connect with you, follow you? So the easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn. Um, look for my name, Andreas Welch. Or if you want to um, get information, I, I have a monthly newsletter, briefing.com. You want to sign up for that. Um, it's three topics in three minutes and on third Wednesdays only. Great. Very concrete concepts. And I'll put all the, all the links in the show notes so people can, can find you. Excellent. So we're getting to the end and thanks a lot for the great conversation. There's a, a lot of things I've, I've heard about empathy, understanding the other side, the, both the business side and the technology side, bringing them together in a collaboration, what you need as a people manager uh, and how to bring AI programs to a success. So thanks a lot for sharing all your, your knowledge uh, with the listeners. And I hope we, uh, we speak soon. Thanks a lot, Andreas. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Do you want people to listen to your data and increase your business impact? Then take my free email course or do the quick self-test of your data communication skills. Go to mindspeaking.com and start learning today.